Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. This week, uh, you got a sleepy version of the Red Couch Theology Podcast because we actually pre-recorded this episode. You might think that that would mean we're more polished and more clear, and actually it's quite the opposite because uh, I was a little tired this week. But we're talking about marriage and relationships and what to look for when you're trying to find someone to get married. And then what do you do when you've already been married and you're like, oh no, maybe I chose poorly. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about those sorts of things in this week's episode. So without any further ado, let's tune right in. All right, we're live. <laughs> so... This is too laid back. Is this laid back? I don't even have a microphone. I don't even have a microphone. Uh, okay. So we're recording, we're pre-recording this episode, and I'm laying on the red couch because it's in the afternoon after a long day. <laughs> <laughs> the energy in the room is palpable. You guys, you guys are going to get the complete scraps, at least of me. Alex is fresh. He's well, always no, no, bouncy. Because, well, but I'm on vacation mood. So I mean, Alex I'm is on vacation. Not, I'm actually here just as a volunteer. We need to have a debate about how in the world this meeting happened. Because we don't know. <laughs> both of us got an invitation to pre-record this podcast episode, and neither one of us knows who said. <laughs> we were both accusing each other of inviting each other at weird times, and then found out that neither one of us sent the invitation. To be fair, when we had to do this before, <laughs> this is when we did it. So I felt like... There was a precedent. That I'm pretty set. sure you you had to have asked Teresa to set it up, right? Hey, we both know that Teresa's in charge. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I will um, sit up in the chair, even though it's like, it was it was actually pretty comfortable laying down. It's <laughs> that's the redemption of the couch. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. This is nice and cushy as a headrest. Um, All right. Well, and 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 the segue is that next week, no, the week after, you're preaching this week. That's a good segue. Um, yes, coming up, and then the week after, so you we guys are should definitely not show negotiating up. Negotiating <laughs> relationships, including like when you do things and what you do, and all those different things. So yeah. there we go, a little prompt for you in the future. This week, um, we are talking about relationships, and we're talking about marriage. Yeah, this was a a me trying to find a you. Yeah. It right. Was. So can yeah, you yeah, unpack yeah. that? What's the so? All right. So if you haven't been catching on, and you have, haven't been paying attention to his sermons, we have this uh, between you and me series. The first week, What's you me? just had a me uh -huh. circle on the on yeah. the back screen. Hopefully, you guys noticed that. And if you didn't, that's fine. Now you do. And then this week, you had a you uh -huh. on the circle uh -huh. on the back I screen. Ooh, subliminal messaging. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a little bit of an organizational structure there. So this week, you talk talked a little bit more about that idea of discovering a you to... So yeah. I think, like, bro, just to throw the subject out there, what I was trying to wrestle with this week is I feel like the Christian world has taken the happily ever after Disney concept and spiritualized it, and now that's what we do all the time. We're like, <laughs> have you found the one? Yeah, like that. That broadly, I think, is like we could call this this week like finding the one. Is um, it actually? Isn't that in general when Christianity's broken? It's when we take 
our personal preferences and then make it a heaven or hell issue. Yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. Just like, yeah, yeah. Just just like any old person has preferences <laughs> and they just have to advocate it for, for it themselves. Yeah. But we Christians, we can tack God onto it. Oh, we can. We can just <laughs> blow that thing up. And, and yeah, so, so much so that we're willing to like, we're willing to do almost anything um, in our quest to find the one. And yeah, we believe. Yeah, we're just, we're just. I, I actually was listening to, as I was prepping for this, I was listening to a, a Craig Rochelle um, <laughs> Craig Rochelle podcast. And he was talking about how this girl who's gone off to college and has become a bit of a party animal at college runs into this beautiful Christian boy that she instantly falls for. And she goes home to her mom and says, mom, I found, I've met the one. Like, you know, he's, he's wonderful. And starts describing him. And his mom says, well, he sounds great, but can I ask? Like, why would he be interested in you? Uh, which is like a classic mom thing to say, right? Like, oh, gosh. Like, you know. but, but then here's the interesting Emotional thing. damage. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but then, then, then the challenge becomes, well, like, this is who she is right now. Perhaps she changes to marry him. And, and that, like, that is a whole part of culture as well. Like, oh, yeah, you can, you can. Like, there's some movies with some horrible premises, really of like, just change everything about yourself based on the person that you believe you've fallen in love with. Um, and an actual fact, like, so a great example of this is actually The Little Mermaid. Um, you think about it like this huh. character, The Little Mermaid, Ariel, she swims to the top and she sees this beautiful boy and she's like, oh, I, I want to become a human. So I, um, I, I can be with him. And so she changes everything about herself so she can get into this relationship. In Hans Christian Andersen's original version, she actually dies. <laughs> like she turns into CFO and there's like, it's, it's supposed to be this warning of don't try and become something you're not so that you can end up with someone you think you want. Um, Dang. It's, it's actually really dark. How and come that didn't make it into the Disney we've version? We've turned it into like this whole like, yeah, just, yeah, that's going to work out fine. You're a mermaid. Now you're human. Uh, just become what you want to become so you can be with who you want to be with. And of so, course, and all he cares about is her voice. Absolutely. Like it's yeah. <laughs> she doesn't. Oh, you're you're sweet, you're kind, yeah. you're beautiful. You can't you can't sing, so you can't yeah, be the one. Totally. Malcolm Gladwell does a whole <laughs> podcast on just how sick this movie is when you think about it. Okay. Oh, like she signs a contract to serve the witch queen forever. Um and, and the the king, who's kind of like God in the movie, is like, Yeah, you signed the contract. There's nothing I can do about it. This contract's binding. Like Yeah. I'm your father <laughs> with supreme power. Well, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> Such a weird movie. So so we've got all of this present culture that tells us you're gonna meet this person. And then we've got this spirituality that says God speaks to me and directs me personally, um, which I agree with. My, my question is, when you look across scripture, do we see anything that suggests there's one person for each person to marry? And all you have to do is unlock the code and then you end up with the right person. And then second question, even if that's true, does that spare you any of the challenge and difficulty of marriage? Because I think that's almost implied. Like I think almost is implied this idea that, yeah, if you can just unlock the code and you can meet the one, then you're going to have an easy time with it. They're yeah. going to like all the things you like. They're going to want to do all the things that you want to do. They're going to have all the dreams that you have. And, and basically the Venn diagram that we've sketched out for those of you who haven't seen a picture of it, it's on the website, the, the you and the me colliding with each other. Actually, that's just going to like completely overlap. There's not going to be any stuff 
yeah totally in that like no we're, we're like we're, we're good so that 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 i think was broadly my question like i i actually feel like this part of church culture is pretty pretty toxic in some ways yeah pretty dangerous for yeah so what is the point if the point of finding someone and you're not also then recommending go find the biggest basket case no. and disaster area you can find because that's not the point no I, so I think... what it so what are you looking for if it's if getting it perfect isn't the goal yeah and if the outcome of a really happy successful easy life Mm. isn't necessarily the goal what so what, how what do you I, how do you yeah. approach this decision so so what what i what i kind of tried to do like if any story in the bible is going to give us that sense of god providing someone for us it's maybe the adam and eve story there's a couple of others that lean maybe a little bit in that direction interestingly i nearly nearly landed on um abraham looking for a wife for isaac and the the he sends his servant off to to his homeland, and the servant mm -hmm. goes and says like, "God, please bless my master today by finding him a wife for his son. If a person comes and serves me water, like let her be a, the right husband for him." N now, I think actually you could misread that text. I think we are misreading that text if if we read. Um, let that person be the one person out of everyone in the universe that Isaac could end up marrying. I think actually how it reads more naturally is let the person who turns up be a good person for him to marry. Um, like let her be one of many good options, not let her be one like just, you know, unique yeah. option like that. But but the Adam and Eve story is maybe this story that says, yeah, God made a help meet for him. Why can't he make a helper for me? Um yeah like why can't why can't he give me someone to to meet and um yeah i'm, I'm not sure that i so i think i think what i would say is i read genesis chapter two for a long time as um god made someone for him to give him everything he needed yeah so you've got this passage here for those of you who are watching this episode but you have this passage here it says now the lord formed out of the ground, all the wild animals and the birds and stuff. And he brought them to the man to be named. And then he said, so the man gave the names to all the livestock. But for Adam, no suitable suitable helper. This was the uh, hot button. Mm -hmm. One of the words you focused in on. We'll, we'll get to that. But Adam found no suitable helper. Um, so the Lord, God caused the man to fall into deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and though, then closed up the place with flesh. Mm. And the Lord God made woman from the rib, and he took out of the man, and he brought her to him. He has this epic poem. <laughs> he says, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she came out of man. Yeah. So. So, so I mean, one, like, what a fascinating story. And, I mean, there's boatloads of ink been spilt over this story did it actually happen did it actually happen the way it was described is it trying to teach us something more than give us historical information all those yeah. kind of things and and yet jesus how takes, old is the earth yeah. wait no. wait is that a question <laughs> jesus takes this story and he he says like this is the origin this is and, and this is how we know this is how marriage works two become one and, yeah. and that's good enough for jesus so so we as his followers get to say, okay, there's a principle there he's he's put in place as well. So we're on board. Um, 
but I read it for a long time as the helper. And, and it is a fascinating word because it is usually used of God and how he helps other people. Yeah. It's almost never used uh, of anything else. And, and when it is, it's still like a term of power and an importance. It's never like a subservient word. Yeah. Um, which, so is, which is controversial. Just, just as a side note, I'm feeling like a complete loser right now because you mentioned, have you seen the diagram? So I spent a huge chunk of time trying to pull up on our screen the, the graphic for our series. And then the conversation was so far beyond it by the time I found it. And then, and then I left this passage. You hinted at Matthew 19. So I spent this time to find Matthew 19. And then you jump back to chapter two. I'm like just way behind. Hey. So... Um, it's a good thing you're most you of your podcast. You've had a long day. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I'm really excited to show you the graphic that he talked about 30 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If this episode never makes air, then... <laughs> Gosh, uh, it's a good thing we're pre-recording. We can cut all that stupidity out. Um, but we won't because I'm too lazy. <laughs> um, so uh, so this is, this is the word here. Um, yeah. So this is the helper term. And I wonder if I can do a quick search on it, but this word is only, this is actually the only time yeah. that it's referred to as wives helping their husbands. Yes. Every other time is referring to one it's of two 20 other. other. 22 other times, and it's either God helping the people of faith, so rescuing Israel, Oops, helping tiny. the church, or occasionally, like if you've got a military formation, like a vanguard, um, like the front part of an army you've got, they would ride in a V formation and it's of the person that rides in the, the point of the V, like the first person. So picture like Lord of the Rings, Theoden and the riders of Rowan pouring down the hills around uh, um, Gondor. And there's like the one person who rides at the front of the point. Yeah, so what I person. hear you saying about marriage is that if we ever go to war, I need to put my wife out in front. Apparently so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No? Is that, so, so it's reading to that? So you could take Genesis chapter 2. If you're going to take it anyway, mm -hmm. you'd say, actually, the woman is the superior creature. Or you could read it and say, no, these are two equal creatures that, that both offer mutual help to each other. Well, if other. you look at my marriage, that's a pretty easy argument to make. <laughs> yeah, mine too. But, but it, regardless... Um, and where, where, where I think that's fascinating is if you believe in complementarianism today, like that the, the man is the primary and the woman plays a supporting role in that respect. I'm butchering the, the definition, but yeah. Yeah, if you, if all you, the complementarians out there are screaming. Yeah, right probably, yeah. And you're a complementarian, so you can give the definition. Am I, though? I don't know. I don't know what you are. I don't know what you believe about anything. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And I've succeeded. I am wishy-washy. Someone said that about me once. One of my friends said, I don't, believe, I don't know what Alex believes about anything. And I said, I, Alex doesn't know what he believes about anything. Either. I know Jesus. <laughs> yeah. my, my name's Alex, and I know he's Lord. That's it. That's all yeah. I got. Um, uh, so... so However you describe that, it's only a post-fall thing, pretty clearly in Genesis. Pre-fall, they have this role of equality. Um, and afterwards, I think you can fairly read either direction in. But I think the way this is described here in this only pre-fall conversation, it seems like Eve is, Eve is not playing a subservient role at all. Regardless, I read that as he's going to give him someone to give him everything he needs for years. And then I actually wondered whether that's even the case. And, it's and, the you complete me 
idea, right? That's what I read, yeah. Yeah, which you brought up in the message. Yeah. This that quote from the movie. Uh, yeah, and Jerry you Maguire. complete me. Yeah, this is the idea, right? It's like uh, Adam's incomplete. He can't. He doesn't have a helper. Yeah. So she comes along and he she completes him. So the problem with that is then we have to accept that Jesus is an incomplete human being, and Paul is an incomplete human being, and anyone who's ever not made, been married is an incomplete human being, and. When Jesus says... Well, no, some people are made complete, uh, and others are made incomplete, and they are waiting for their completion. To How do you know whether you're complete or incomplete? I, you just... I don't know. You intuit it. You, you, it's all about your emotions. All it's, <laughs> it's, everything's about feelings. Yeah. Um, the best decisions are made. I'm so tired. So, <laughs> so this, this, this is going to be a high-quality podcast. <laughs> if you're listening to this the first, first time, we don't usually... I. I'm always like this, Aaron. It's sometimes different. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> I make sense. Okay. Alex always makes some sense. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think what I did is I went and I played with some of the nuances of that, of, yeah, maybe yeah. it's someone who can complete you. I think somewhat dangerously, and, and I go back and forth on this. I'm interested to see what you think about this. I remember Mark Driscoll, the, the guy oh, who was yeah. a pastor in Seattle, saying years ago something like this i'm going to try and quote it verbatim he said like people spend all their time looking for someone who has similar interests to them um yeah don't waste your time doing that once you've got four kids you won't have time for hobbies like you know just it's not going to matter and at the time i was like i don't think we're allowed to quote mark driscoll in in a positive light yet uh, we're not okay well i wasn't no. i wasn't quoting him in any light i was just quoting him in a factual light like this is what he said but you're implying that you agree. No, I'm about to imply that I. Oh, I, okay. I, then you're if you're me tension because at the time if you're disagreeing I, with Mark Driscoll, then you're allowed. I to I love quote it. Him. I'm allowed to quote. At the time when I first heard him, I was like, I absolutely disagree. Oh, okay. Now, now I will say that, like, now being in a phase of life where I have four kids, um, and life is crazy busy and all those different things, the amount of time that Laura and I get to do hobbies together is smaller. And, um, and I have hobbies that I do and she has hobbies that she does, but, but that there is like this tension of time there. So, so I, I think common interests are a huge value in, in a relationship, but I think sometimes how we read this is I want someone who everything about them interests me. And by what I mean by that is they have no things that I think are, uninteresting or no flaws whatsoever perhaps um yeah so so like i think that like that can be the implication if you believe god's going to provide someone for you by implication he knows you perfectly and by implication the person he provides for you should be perfect for you in every way it's like mary poppins practically perfect in every way um <laughs> and i think that's so so i think that what what that allows us to do as as people following jesus is we we see someone and we think, I find them attractive. We get to know them and we like lots about them. And then we ask, have you read me a Christianity? And they say, no. And we say, oh, deal breaker. Like that, like that, <laughs> like that, that sense of like, there can't be no, anything. No, I read Rob Bell. <laughs> oh. Dun, dun, dun. Are you allowed to quote him? If you're allowed, not allowed to quote Driscoll, are you allowed to quote, quote Rob? I didn't quote him at all. Oh, okay. Are you allowed to mention him? I thought you were only allowed to say farewell, Rob Bell. I don't know. I love Rob. I'm a big fan. I'm, <laughs> I like him, too. <laughs> uh, I don't agree with everything his, or his, all of his methods. He's, I don't agree with everything that anyone says. Totally. He's kind of actually, 
he's like comically obnoxious for me. But that's not what we're talking about. Can yeah, we- I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does not complete either of us as is appropriate. Yeah. Um. So then I was trying to reframe some of, like, well, what is Genesis saying? Uh, what is if you're looking for someone? If you've said, you know singleness is not an option for me. I know myself well enough that I'm going to pursue a marriage. What are we supposed to take from this idea that there's a helper? Um, and, and, and so how I rephrased Genesis was God provided someone for Adam to grow alongside. Um, so that turns it into this organic metaphor. And, and, and this like actually, like, I mean, you think about like just, just us as human beings, have you ever seen one of those couples that you like, you look at them and they're usually a little bit older, like 60s, 70s, 80s, and you like, they look like brother and sister. Um, and you actually find out that they're married and they actually just start to look like each other after a certain period of time. Hmm. Um, and apparently there's all these physical, physiological reasons why this happens. Like you, you mimic expressions, so you start to smile in the same way. You, have, you, you adapt, adopt mannerisms from people close to you, so you start to sit in the same way and... And so suddenly a couple that maybe kind of had a passing resemblance because genetically you tend to pick someone who might look like a father or might look like your mother. Um, you slowly over time, like we'll see these couples that actually look surprisingly similar. Um, and so we know that just over time, like couples that spend a lot of time together become more like each other, become more comfortable with each other. They do grow towards each other. Um, and where I think that can happen magically is if you're both growing towards God as well. So, so really, like, that's what you're looking for. You're not looking for the one. You're looking for someone and saying, can I grow alongside this person? And are yeah. they growing in the direction that I want to grow in? Which, which hopefully, if you're following Jesus, is you, you're wanting to grow towards, towards being mm-hmm. like him. Uh, and that, that really, like, limits, like, it takes the pressure off this quest for, is this person the one? Or is there someone coming down the road that like, you know, what happens if you go to your wedding day and you get married and you walk out the door after the ceremony and this other person walks past and, and God says, that's the person you're going to marry. And you're like, ah, darn it. <laughs> um, the pressure of finding the exact person out of all of these millions of people can become huge. So I actually know loads of young people that are really wanting to find someone to marry. And I say young people in this condescending way that a 40-year-old might talk about a 25-year-old. Um, <laughs> loads of people in that demographic that are almost like trigger shy of like, I just, I just can't think about it because I'm terrified. Like I've got to find the one or they've got to be perfect. There can't be anything that lands in the negative column. And that's, uh, that's actually that fear is a pretty modern I think so, and yeah. unique thing to yeah. a bunch of decisions when it comes to a modern world. For example, back in the day, you know, in many cultures, one, marriage was arranged. So, yeah. hey, there's the one. It's the one that I they told me I was marrying. So, And then even if it wasn't arranged, the village was very small. The options were fewer when it came to marriage. But even this is true, this same paralysis takes place with people with uh, choosing a major in college or choosing which job to get. There's this options paralysis where like, it's a pretty modern problem to have. Well, and you think about all the so- sociological elements that play into that, like the rise of pornography. Like you think yeah. like suddenly every guy thinks that he might marry someone who looks like a woman that he's seen in a magazine. 
and and like yet there's guys in magazines as well do you look like the guys in the magazines well unless you work out a turn like probably not like so so there's this unreasonable expectation you think about like you can go shopping for lingerie on the internet and you expect if you buy that piece of lingerie the person that you're married to might look like the person that's wearing that lingerie in the magazine like why would that be the case so there's all of these unrealistic standards we see like movies or we read books about people that are the both physically perfect like intellectually perfect emotionally perfect and so our expectation becomes i want someone like that yeah and and that expectation was non-existent for most of human history yeah. people married people for far more practical reasons and learned that actually you could learn to become happy as a couple yeah so th so part of the problem with the modern expression of how we can think about getting married is we put a an undue pressure on the selection process yeah. is part yeah, yeah, of what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. An undue pressure on the selection process without realizing like, like there is no instant compatibility like that, that yeah. won't happen. And then that's the heartbreaking discovery, right? People, they believe, Oh, I found this. They step into marriage and find out they're living with a stranger because you always are. I mean, like yeah. there's a difference between being in a dating situation and sharing a house with people because there's so many things you haven't thought through. Um, totally. So when Laura and I got married, we started setting up our house. I walked into the kitchen one day and it was like I walked into her mom's kitchen because she was 19. She just did everything that her mom had done. Uh, and I was like, wait, but I lived at home. My mom did everything like this. Shouldn't the kitchen look like this? And like, so suddenly you're into this realm of learning to live together. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and and that that's always going to be a challenge. Um, yeah, so like one of the things I've advised young people when I've talked to them about this sort of process is like similar to what you were just saying is like find someone that you can grow alongside. But specifically the, the advice I tell people is like it doesn't like all, all the details, whatever, matter so small. But the one thing you have to – try and fight for when you're selecting someone is make sure that they love Jesus more than they will ever love you. Yeah. That they love Jesus before they started with you. Mm -hmm. If you're out of the picture, they will continue. Yeah. If you're a hot mess and the most horrible human being possible to them, they will run to Jesus. Yeah. If that's like this beautiful safety net that like drapes over a marriage. Yeah. And obviously that doesn't, some people, they were too young to be thinking of it that way. And they get into a marriage that isn't that way. And that's extremely painful and challenging, and there's other conversations that could be had about that. But if you are trying to find some sort of barometer for making selection, that's there's been times when in my marriage I've just like um, so grateful that I am confident mm. beyond a shadow of a doubt that my wife loves Jesus mm. way more than me. Yeah, and and vice versa. I know that about myself. Yeah, and then I, there's times where I just say. God, I know she's talking to you, so you talk to her because yeah, I can't yeah. talk to her right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I know my wife's in the I other room it. praying the exact same exactly, prayer. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I know he's talking to you, so you talk to him. The first, the first <laughs> pastor I ever worked with um, used, used to say, and I remember it was a conversation as to whether, like he would talk about some people dis disagree with me on this, um, but, but he, would, he said to his wife when they first got married, the reason that you can, be, you can, you can guarantee I'll never have an affair is because I love Jesus more than I love you. Um, because if the thing that stops me 
is my love for you. Well, what if that love disappears? If the thing that stops me is, mm. you know, that, that you won't find out, uh, then, then, you know, the guarantee is gone. Like if I'm, I'm like, oh, I can get away with that. But, but he said like, I follow a God who will know. And I follow a God that I'm called to always love. And so he would describe that as like the guarantee. And, and I remember him saying my wife found that kind of hard to handle to start with because she would be like, well, shouldn't it be that you love me that much? Um, and, and yet what he said is like, no, no, following Jesus well is the best prescriptor for behavior or best guarantee of behavior in a marriage or, or a way of living. So totally. I, I kind of, I, after a while, I was like, yeah, I, it sounds kind of harsh the way you say that, but I think... I you're think, not going to make a romantic comedy out of it. You're not, no, no. <laughs> but, but but I think like... It the, practically, it's actually better. Broadly, like, could you say about it? Yes. But but I think broadly, <laughs> someone who loves Jesus more than you is 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 the first thing. And then the second thing, and, and this is something that my, I remember my mom saying to me about my her relationship with with my dad. Uh, is she and it sounds kind of unromantic as well, but she said, you know what, we're just very comfortable in each other's company. Like it's not hard for us to spend time with each other. So so it doesn't matter how attractive you find the other person, um, if you actually don't enjoy being with them, that's a horrible marriage to step into. If mm. all it is is a physical attraction. And I've had a few friends that have dated people where they've said, oh, I, I remember they'd talk a lot about how the person looked, uh, but they didn't actually seem to be to want to be around them particularly. I mean, it seems like a horrible person. Yeah. So if, if like something like wealth or something like, um, like physical appearance is driving the relationship uh, and yet you don't enjoy being around them, well, that, that's probably not a recipe for a happy marriage either. Like when you're looking for someone that you can grow alongside. Um, yeah. So, okay. Let's uh, take just a moment to hone in on that. You just said that's not a recipe for a happy marriage. Is a happy, the word happy, is the, a happy marriage the goal? So I, I, could, I could negotiate the word happy. I do think contentment in marriage is a good thing, whether that's the same as happiness. Well, I'm not saying happiness is bad. I was just asking like, what, what is the target? What's the destination? In God's eyes, the pinnacle of marriage um, at its core, like it's, or I guess maybe God's ultimate goal would be what? I'm going to read you the rest of the quote that I read on Sunday, if I can find it. Um, hold on a second. Is it Rob Bell? It is no. not Rob Bell. Um, it is. Is it Mark Driscoll? It's not them either. It's, it's the Church of England marriage. Um, oh, wow. So it's not American? It's not American, sorry. Um, <laughs> Maybe when I'm tired, I just get real feisty. <laughs> it's something about not being entered into wantonly. Um, ah. Try this. I feel like I should juggle or something. In like, hey, af after these messages, we'll be right back. Uh, absolutely. Um, oh man, maybe I picked the wrong one here. This is uh, extremely long. Oh, no, Just right. hold a second. Alex is going to quick read a novel, and then when he's finished reading, oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here. All right, he's got it. It starts off, dearly beloved. We are gathered here today in the sight of God, etc., etc., etc. 
where marriage is commended of by the Apostle Paul to be honorable among all men and therefore is not to be enterprised. You're not supposed to make money from it. Um, enterprised or taken in hand unadvisedly, lightly or wantonly to satisfy men's carnal lusts and appetites like brute beasts who have no understanding, but reverently, discreetly, advisedly, soberly, and in, fear, in the fear of God. Duly considering the causes to which matrimony was... a uh, was uh, ordained. First, it was ordained for the blessing of children to be brought up in the fear and nurture of the Lord. So interestingly, the first one it lists is having children together. Secondly, it was ordained for a remedy against sin and to avoid fornication that such persons as not having the gift of constancy might marry and keep themselves undefiled members of Christ's body. So, all right. thirdly, it was ordained for the mutual society help and comfort that the one ought to have of the other, both in prosperity and adversity. Man. So that third one is I'm feeling like, too stupid to listen to this right now. No, I'm just <laughs> no, that, um, But that third one, like, like it's ordained for yeah. the mutual society, help and comfort. Like, it is supposed to be about contentment. It is supposed to be about happiness. It is supposed to be about two people sharing life with each other. Yes. So a happy marriage is the goal. That's I don't know if that's what that said. Absolutely, that's what it says. All right, so then define happiness. That you enjoy being married. Huh. You're supposed to enjoy being married. All right. And you're supposed to be able to support each other in the hard times and the good times. So what if, what if one of the functions of marriage is transformation? And sanctification. That, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's included in that. Yeah. So that's some mutual help in society. Yes. I like that. So, like, it doesn't say happiness specifically. So that's why I said contentment. Contentment, or even so, here's the reason I bring it up is, is not lightly because I think, just like you said in your message, if you think that this person's coming along to complete you or to fill up some sort of emotional checklist or to be interesting forever or to be gorgeous forever or to be wealthy forever, then these kinds of things let you down. Yeah. But if you think that this idea of helper is to, that, that God is going to use this person to make me into um, a, a picture of health and thriving and those sorts and of happiness. things, then... Okay, but I think that's where the problem falls, is people say, well, I get to define happiness. Happiness is everything I ever wanted. Happiness is white picket fence and, and two and a half children and a dog. I get that, but surely you can have a bad definition of any word. Totally, but this is my point. I think it's really important because people get in and it gets painful and hard, yeah. and then they say, it's not producing happiness, it's not God's plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's really critical to say we don't let, – let's just be honest. Most – well, none of us know by default what's best for us all the time. So I think it's interesting, isn't it? Like you so, – so what I, I would agree, and I think this is maybe where we're coming from slightly different points of view. I would agree that are you happy is not a good – is not a good framework for deciding should you stay married to someone. I do think 
can I see myself being happy, enjoying the company, being content with this person as being a good framework for deciding whether to marry them or not? Even though you know that you're both changed, you're both become different people in lots of different ways. And, and, and as that Stanley Hauerhaus quote says, like you can only know so much about someone before you marry them. Um, but, but I do think a, a framework that says like, can I see myself enjoying this person's company for many, many years is a really good question to ask when you decide whether to get married or not. Yes. Fair um, enough. So, so I think, yeah, you can't, you can't say, am I happy? Should I stay married? Um, in a Christian context, I think that's an unwise question. Certainly not the most important question. But can you look at the person that you're considering jumping into marriage with and say, huh, is it just a physical thing? If the looks were to go, would I still want to be around this person? Is it a wealth thing? Is If the money were to go, would I still want to be with this person? Yeah. Uh, and say, as this person grows alongside me, do I think we'll be content together? Is a surprisingly underrated question. Um, yes. Yeah, totally. You know, so, so I think it's, it's just fascinating that we've kind of landed on this question, like, uh, is there a one? Um, and I've heard that question used to excuse so many things. There was a, um, a, a pastor who lived down the road from me when I was uh, growing up, and he, he left his wife of 30 years and married a, um, uh, a woman 20 years younger than him. Um, and, and what he said to his church is, God has given me the woman I was supposed to marry in the first place. So like, again, the language of she God. She wasn't born when I was one. 20, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Otherwise I would have found her. Yeah, exactly. But she was still an infant. <laughs> exactly. It's kind, of, it's kind of got a sick premise oh, to it like, when you think about it. But he, uh... his, his whole like movement, he was able to excuse it because God had spoken and he'd provided the one. And that answered every objection in his mind. Um, How'd that go over for the congregation? Yeah, not great. He got fired. But he ended up back in ministry not after after not long because if you're good at speaking to people, people will forgive a lot of nonsense, it seems. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. So, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. The, the conclusion I have is that... So, so I think here's where I have a caveat. Do I think at some points God leads specific people to marry specific people for specific reasons? Mm. I actually am okay with that. Like, do I think it's a universal thing? Do I think if, if that's where you feel God led you, that that makes you better than anybody else? No. Um, do I think it will mean that everything will be easy? No. But, but I do believe in providence, and I do believe God has his hand on human history, and he directs things mysteriously. But do I think saying universally there's one person for everyone is a good scriptural premise? No. Yeah. Hmm. So... Yeah, any final words for folks to to apply this to their lives? Okay, so you have the single person. <laughs> yeah, 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 if you're about to get married. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. I, I did actually. If you, if you actually decide not to get married because of this, maybe that's still the best thing. Like Maybe it is, but a... I did go away from Sunday thinking, did I just make marriage sound awful? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, did, did I just, because I love being married. I'm very happy or content, or whatever you want to call that word. But, but I, um, I, did, I did have this moment of like, wow, did I just rag on marriage for 40 minutes? Um, I, I think you're right. If you, so if you're single and there's that frustration of who's the one, is there like, and, and does everything on the list have to 
to land on like every desire on the list for a, a spouse does it have to tick every box and i don't think it does um if you're married and you're wrestling with some of those tensions i do think the push of scripture is that the one for you is the one you chose um yeah that shows you too uh, and and see that's where i think when you're in the heat of the moment and it's sort of like okay the pressure's ratcheting up you already married and then the pressure starts to rise you're like this isn't turning out how i was expecting yeah um, what's the invitation to that person? And I think so. And we talked about this just like an hour or so ago in the daily team, right? That, that there's, is there ever a universal prescription for everybody? I don't know if that's always healthy. Like even Jesus gives caveats of like sexual immorality, then divorce is, is appropriate. Uh, and there's a couple of other places in scripture. It seems like it adds a couple of other things. Yeah. Um, so so would I want to give like this universal caveat? Paul says, if you're married to someone not following Jesus and that person wants to leave, don't try to stop them. Um, and seems to imply that in that scenario, it's okay to remarry. Um, so so I, I think I would say like, if you're in a situation where you're questioning, is this marriage working? Um, to, to go back, not to like, did God provide this person? Or is everything about them perfect? But to go back to the idea that you chose each other, um, and that might be something that's worth fighting for, maybe a little harder than you might be inclined to right now. Or to, or to potentially say, God, you have a plan for me and for them and for our relationship that is good and beautiful, because that's what you do. Mm -hmm. And right now it's hard. And so I'm willing to venture into this yeah. challenge to like what well, you said at the beginning of both messages, marriage or relationships are hard work, so let's work hard on yeah, relationships. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to work hard at this because I think that there's a goodness and a beauty that's beyond the hard mm. that's worthwhile. And, and, and I, yeah, I'm going to throw out this generalization, and it's always a generalization always has examples where it's it's not true. In my pastoral experience. Lots of marriages that end up really on the rocks. The two people might both say were both growing towards Jesus. But for the most part, what I tend to find is they're not growing towards Jesus together. Um, mm. The couples that are actively spending time in prayer together, like in the room together, I've not met many couples that are doing that regularly as a practice that are like, no, the marriage is, is really on the rocks. Like there's something about in the room together following mm. Jesus. And again, that's a generalization, but, but I think, I think it is, it is easier. And again, yeah, generalization caveat. It is easier to say we're both following Jesus and we both love Jesus but all of your spirituality is is like is is separate. It's in the Venn diagram again. It finds its way in both sides of the Venn diagram, but none of it lands in the middle of the Venn diagram. Yeah, I do think that like the cliches: couples that pray together stay together. Um, and is it always true? No, but is it a cliche for a reason? Yes, it's yeah. a cliche because it's often true, even if it's not always true. Yeah. Um, so so I, I do think as hard and awkward as those spiritual practices can be together, if you've never done them, um, they do seem to me to be rewarding as a couple. Um, 
like it's easy to fake a 30 second prayer together. It's harder to fake 30 minutes of prayer together. Um, yeah. So I, I just think there's some, some elements there that intrigue me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in to this week's sleepy episode of the Red Couch, the Ellie podcast, where I kind of just stared at Alex with glazed over uh, eyes. At some point in a vindictive mood, I'm just going to make Aaron watch this podcast back. <laughs> see, see, see what you're capable of being, how horrible you are when you're this sleepy. Um, oh, man. I think it was impressive content given the level of sleepiness. Had I been doing this yesterday after sleeping for like three and a half hours? And then doing two services and a funeral. <laughs> yeah. I would probably have been in the same boat. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah. Although I have a, an ability for whatever reason to be obnoxiously upbeat even when I'm tired. Well, um, and generally speaking, when I like, I can be just about as exhausted as possible, but you stick me in a crowd of people and I just find yeah. some sort of extra gear. But in a, in, a, in a darkened podcast room on a semi comfortable couch, on a horribly uncomfortable couch, <laughs> it's like, I think that's why I'm sleepy is I just, everything about this couch says the only way to sit on me is to lay down, <laughs> actually. So, so all you can uh, think about is long time. All right. Anyway, see you guys Thanks next week. Thanks for tuning in. Where we'll, we'll be going over Aaron's message. Yeah. Um, and, Which all I'm going to do is stand up, read a passage of scripture, and then go take a nap. It's going to so. solve all the problems of all the world. Yes. All right. See you all Bye. later. Bye. Well, thanks again for listening, and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing. And we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.